Marauders, we are back with another one. I'm Grayson Wimbish. Joined with me, as always, are Pat Finn and Billy Ray Mitchell. You can go ahead and call them the Jersey Boys. They are currently back home in New Jersey as a result of this uh, this whole situation we got going on. I'm still in sunny Los Angeles, California, but we are making it happen. The Suns do not stop. We are here for you during this quarantine. So we are going to jump right into this the way that we always jump right into this with a little hokey haiku submission written by da 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 yours truly Da-da-da-da. here we go easter sunday suns harvey creasy on the pod peeps are disgusting stamp stamp Damn. double stamp. stampy stamp all around shout out to my dad peeps are disgusting i don't care what anybody says Guys, yesterday was Easter. You know, it was a little bit different this year, given given what we got going on right now. Uh, that's kind of the, the proverbial elephant in the room. But I had a great day. I don't know about you guys. I woke up, had my morning cup of coffee, hopped on uh, Elevation Churches based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, hopped on their online Easter service with Pastor Stephen Furtick. And uh, it was a great day. Just kind of hung around, went outside. It was a little overcast here in California yesterday, which are like, oh, boohoo. Oh yeah, yeah. It was really <laughs> like it, your prayers are appreciated. Everybody, we're struggling out here. It's it's cloudy. Bill, how was your Easter Sunday with your family? It was good. So we had uh, we had a birthday on Saturday. I turned twenty four. Kobe Bryant year. Uh, mama mentality. Going to continue the mama mentality. Uh, Happy and birthday. then we had. Thank you so much. Thank you for everyone that wished uh, your boy Bill happy birthday. And if you forgot, I still love you as well. Um, also, Easter to me, I had a great Easter. Um, got to be with the family, had some great food, um, did what we typically did. I just didn't get dressed and go to church, uh, which was a bummer. But um, a great Easter all the way around for those of you celebrating Easter, for those of you celebrating Passover, or just having a three-day weekend. I hope that you all had a wonderful weekend, but it was uh, it was solid. Patrick, what was going on down a couple miles south? <laughs> yeah, we had a great Easter here in the Finn house. A little different, but uh, mom, mom, brother, sister, dad, they were all chefing up. I did some uh, chefing as well. Ooh. Uh, but uh, we had we had the ham. We had uh, some green beans, some potatoes. It was delicious. We did a a, a family Zoom call. They were uh, they were. 20, 22 boxes on the Zoom, and over fifty six people uh, involved. A lot of this is my my mom's uh, my mom's side of the family extended, and then we did the same thing on my dad's side, a little smaller uh, gathering. Then we went for a a long walk as a family, and uh, here we are now. So great weekend all around. Got to kick off the top of the show here. Uh, to give a big time uh, shout out and honoring to the uh, 3.2 for 32. As we know, April 16th uh, is this week. It falls on Thursday and it marks uh, 13 year anniversary of uh, 4-16-2007 where we lost 32 of our Hokie brothers and sisters. So uh, in honor to honor their memory and to keep their memory going, as you know, Virginia Tech, uh, run by Rex Sports, does the 3.2 for 32. And this year, it's going to be a little bit different, as most things are uh, in the year 2020. Uh, from April 16th to 
April 18th, so Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we will be running a virtual run in remembrance hosted as the Virginia Tech community reflects on the vibrant lives of 32 students and faculty who were tragically taking, taken from us on April 16th, 2007. This is going to be hosted on an application called StrideKick. So if you have your Android, your iPhone, download StrideKick. Uh, you can, we'll, uh, we'll be posting out uh, links to the StrideKick on our socials, VT Rec Sports, and uh, the Virginia Tech website will also be posting. Saw that there's already 1,400 members of Hokie Nation registered on this app. So as Hokies participate individually, they can also join this challenge to combine their miles towards our goal of 32,000 miles uh, in total, which is pretty cool. I know there's going to be people running all over the world uh, through uh, Thursday through Saturday. Uh, the 16th through the 18th. So make sure you register. A big shout-out to VT Rec Sports, who is uh, spearheading this virtual movement. Big shout-out to my guy, uh, Will Trent, from VT Rec Sports. Make sure you download the app, and we'll tweet it out as well. In addition to that, uh, the Sons of Saturday are going to be giving away some free Suns swag, whether it's a T-shirt, a new hat, uh, you know, maybe some sweatshirts. We got a lot of cool stuff on the website. Download this application. Run your 3.2 miles. Walk your 3.2 miles. Whatever you do, you know, wear your hokey gear. Take a picture. Post it on Twitter. Post it on Instagram. Use the promo code from VT Rec Sports. Hashtag VT32Run. And then from Sons of Saturday, use the promo code, or hashtag, I should say. Use the hashtag runs of saturday vt r-u-n-s of saturday vt tag sons of sat send it into us and uh, we'll be choosing some of our favorite pictures from the weekend and uh, sending you guys free sons of saturday gear so get ready it's gonna be awesome and a big shout out to jay tucker sending me a uh, a bib from rec sports bill talk to me about uh, our guy justin on the twitter machine Twitter has been electric uh, and has been a source of entertainment for folks as we uh, deal with uh, sons and daughters of quarantine. Uh, but Coach Fuente has taken to the couch and taken to the phone and has been tweeting back at fans. We mentioned him with the best friend group the other day. Maybe thought it was a one-off. There were some haters out there. And he's back. He's back answering questions. He's out here tweeting at Beth Barnes, tweeting at Pat, tweeting at everybody, tweeting at the whole gang. Even our guy John Cran getting some Fuente action. We're fired up about that. Coach Fuente, we are absolutely loving the engagement. It's what um, some folks have been asking for for a long time, but... It's really cool to see uh, both him and the players and other people in the athletic department going out of their way to engage with fans. And also, shout out to some fans who went as far as to, hey, Coach Fuente, you're going to tweet at us? Well, I'm going to reach in my pocket and donate to the Hokie Club. Hey, if that's what it takes, shout out to you. Shout out to all of you joining the Hokie Club. Shout out to all of you supporting. But as we shift our focus to on-the-field production and future on-the-field production, if we ever get back to playing football, which hopefully we do, Grayson and Pat, I want to talk a little bit about the recruiting trail. It's red hat. It's burning. Grayson, we had some big-time news come in from the great state of Arkansas. Never been there. Don't know if it's great, but there are great players there. What happened, Grayson? So on April 10th, for those of you guys who do not know, we added 
to our already very stacked recruiting class. Defensive tackle Tyus Martin, who is actually one of the top three players in the state of Arkansas, committed to Virginia Tech. I see Bill's doing a dance back there. Y'all can't see it, but I can't. Da- Bill is doing a dance back there, which adds even more firepower to this budding 2021 recruiting class. So he joins star power like Latrell Neville and Demetrius Davis in this class. And guys, I think it's only going to get bigger and better. So stay tuned on the TL. We love the TL. We see a lot of stuff on the TL every single day. We're all, you know, all over the Twitter machine. I uh, just want to give a quick ring around the rosy here uh, with the ACC, around the ACC, around our competition, that Virginia Tech is typically uh, you know, competing against on the trail. So we'll start off with Penn State. Uh, Penn State was in the high 30s. They were like 37th to 38th overall prior to this past weekend, and then they jumped up to 15th overall over the weekend. They added four uh, new recruits. A couple of them being from Michigan, a couple of them being from Maryland. Three of them were four stars. And uh, they've been recruiting Harbaugh's backyard real good. <laughs> I, I, I'm I kind of a Harbaugh, Harbaugh guy. I'm kind of not a Harbaugh guy. But I'm much more so a Harbaugh guy than a James Franklin guy. But they've been doing a great job on the trail. They've been recruiting Michigan. They've been recruiting Maryland very well as well. Um I know they have a six foot six offensive tackle out of good counsel. Uh, if that sounds familiar, that's where Kendall Fuller and CJ Carroll both went. So Penn State is back on track after adding those four stars over the weekend. We want to talk about our friends to the uh, to the South Carolina region of the country. Clemson's got the number two class in the nation. They got ten recruits in the boat. Uh, one five star. The rest of them are four stars. At this point. I mean, they're recruiting guys from California. They're the number one overall recruit in the country. Uh, is from California. He's on Clemson uh, for this 2021 class. They are literally, you know, turning away four-star recruits and just uh, evaluating elite talent, which is just absurd. North Carolina follows them up uh, with the third-ranked class in the country so far uh, as of April 13th with a uh, average recruit uh, ranking of 91.86 composite. And their most recent commit was a couple of days ago. They got a four-star running back, Kamaro Edmonds, out of North Carolina, who is one of our top running back targets. So that was kind of a bummer. Uh, they've been doing an outstanding job on the trail, most of which, which should be attributed to their staff that they have in place. From their class, 11 of their 12 recruits are from the state of North Carolina, and their last, uh, the 12th one is from Tennessee. Bill, how do you think they're doing it? Like, I, from what I understand, Carolina doesn't even have football fans. You know, you go to the the homecoming game last year, six overtimes, and you didn't even see like a single powder blue T-shirt in the entire stadium. What what's up with them? They got a lot of momentum right now. Uh, as you mentioned, they have a really good staff. Um, so, you know, and you got Mac Brown. I mean, it's a lot about like what's cool right now. And Carolina's cool, Jordan's cool. Uh, you saw Mac Brown the other day. He got some publicity when he was on for the uh, USC Texas game. So, you know, North Carolina has always done a good job recruiting. North Carolina this year, more than others, has a very talented home base. Um, I believe you said earlier that um, every commit but one is from the state of North Carolina. Is that correct? 
Yeah. Yep. So they have a super talented uh, uh, home base there that they've done a good job setting up the gates around, which they haven't in the past. Um, but again, we'll see where it finishes. This is going to be an interesting cycle. Um, and uh, yeah, they got a lot of momentum right now, but as long as things keep going the way that they go and we keep beating them on the field, then uh, I'll worry about it then. Yeah, most notably, I know Dre Bly is very vocal on Twitter. Yep. We see him all over uh, the timeline. A little bit frustrating. But let's move on here. Miami, they got the number five ranked class. So we got two foes in the Coastal rounding out the uh, the top five here. They have 10 recruits in the boat, and all 10 of their recruits are from the state of Florida. Uh, you know, kind of goes without saying Florida is super talented and uh, it's an easy sell. I mean, they got the beaches and they got the nightlife and everything's fun down there, except of a uh, a real fan base. Notre Dame's <laughs> at number six. They got seven guys in the boat right now. And then moving right along down the list, Rutgers, Maryland, Tennessee are 11, 12, and 13, respectively. Don't like uh, all that. Of them have, yeah, all of them have 10 commits right now, 10 on the board. That kind of explains their high ranking. But... At the end of the day, Virginia Tech should always be out recruiting Rutgers and Maryland. You know, despite Rutgers having, I think, twice as much budget as Virginia Tech uh, in the recruiting department, we should always out recruit a school like Rutgers. No offense, Rutgers. You know, Bill and I, big Jersey guys, we love Rutgers. We don't. No, we. You can speak for you. I don't. I don't love Rutgers. We were watching home home videos the other day, and uh, it was like Christmas 2006. And I'm opening a present under the tree, and I'm, I pull out a Ray Rice number 27 white jersey, and Ooh. that's just things that don't age well. Did not age well. Hilarious throwback. But yeah, we should always be out recruiting Rutgers, always out recruiting Maryland. Or I, I guess Maryland can recruit, but they can't perform at all. <laughs> uh, right before we get to Virginia Tech, West Virginia is number 19. Uh, right ahead of us, headlined by their offensive tackle signee, or not signee yet. Uh, he's still, we're, we still better be recruiting this guy, Wyatt Milam, Milam uh, who went to high school with Doug Nestor. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see if we uh, continue to um, hit him up along the trail. But ultimately, Virginia Tech's in a good spot right now, and got to give some shout outs to uh, the staff who's been. Very, very vocal on Twitter. Uh, very, very vocal making videos. You got Coach Tap running around campus in the mm-hmm. golf cart, talking about the duck pond and chilling out there. And pretty hilarious. Coach Cheerlink, Tap, Davidson, uh, Coach Yetzi. One thing uh, we love the Twittery. We love Sons of Social Media. We love we love all this stuff here. But but one thing that drives me a little bit crazy. Uh, and it's not a certain person's thing. It's kind of just the name of the game now. Um, I thought it was bad when I was a recruit, and I kind of rolled my eyes at it, but now it's gotten even worse. Just kids just pandering to wanting more followers, wanting more clout, wanting more retweets, wanting more this, wanting more that. And it's, it's I mean, I get it. It's 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 different now, and it's, it's, an, it's just annoying to see. But shout out my guy, Robert Wooten. Don't be using VT for clout. Get in the boat. Or don't get in the boat. Hop on the plane or get flown over. All right. But shout out to the staff. They've done an unbelievable job. We have some serious momentum here. Um, and looking forward to see how that translates in the next few weeks. Uh, the kids that are in the boat are doing a great job recruiting and being very vocal on Twitter. So I'm really excited about the young men that we're bringing into this program. 
at the end of the day, there are some difference makers who have not made their decision yet. And it would be really, really nice for them to make their decision. So if they come to Virginia Tech, they can look back one day and say, hey, look at all these guys who I helped get in the boat. That's something that I wanted to say. And I think that is uh, very important because you look at a guy like Demetrius Davis, he committed in November of 2019, and he has been nothing but a ultimate cheerleader for Virginia Tech and for the class of 2021, for the TX to VT movement, and for getting talented guys in the boat. And if we can get some, some more of these guys in the boat sooner rather than later, we can have a, a better product in the end with more talent. Let me, clear, let, me, let, me, let me say one last thing on that subject, Pat. And I just want to say that I don't think any of us are, are, are saying that kids should make premature, uh, premature, premature decisions. I want them to take as many visits as they want and do what they want to do. But I think this is more towards the notion of, of kids and, and, and the thought. And I don't know if we have any or if other schools have some, but the whole notion of a, of a silent commit. I, if, to me, if you're silently committed, you're not committed to a school. Um, if you're committed to a school, what I would like is somebody that works to get other people in the boat. And for example, CJ Rivas was that guy in my class. CJ Rivas committed before a lot of us did and was working his tail off to get other kids on board. Marshawn Williams is another one that did that in our class. Uh, and that really does make a difference. And Demetrius Davis is doing that work now. But, you know, if, if you're still up in the air and don't know what you want to do, great. But if you know what you want to do, get some more dudes in the boat, get some more dudes in the team and pull everybody pulling in the same direction. I think Demetrius Davis's current example that he's setting by just trying to get other boys from Texas and then other very talented kids to join the class of 2021, man, if he's doing that right now, can y'all imagine what kind of leader that kid's going to be on the field? Yep. Like you just, you just think about that. Like I'm excited for what this kid's doing off the field. I can't wait to see what kind of leader he is on the field. So I mean, keep that coming, Demetrius Davis. Shout out to you, man. You're doing you're doing God's work. So <laughs> turn up, T- turn up for the class of 2021, baby. Let's go. Yeah. So we talk about dominoes falling. We 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 are getting momentum. We just need to continue that momentum. Uh, just as of a few days ago, uh, Evan G. Watkins on 24/7 put in crystal balls for Justice Reed, who is the Youngtown uh, Youngstown State. Uh, defensive lineman who had like 12 and a half sacks last year. He's a graduate transfer and he would be an immediate difference maker. And then uh, Jalen Jones, a wide receiver out of Richmond. Uh, both Cristobal's are in for Virginia Tech. So hopefully we'll be seeing some movement there uh, very soon. And lastly, you know, it looks like Coach Bo Davidson, hashtag Bo Knows, has been going hard on Twitter for Greg Stroman's little brother, Jalen Stroman. Uh, out of Stonewall Jackson High School in Manassas, a 2020-21 guy. And uh, if, if you've seen that back and forth, Greg Stroman is drawing up a very beautiful mural of him and Ricky Walker Looks from his great. playing days. Looks great. Sons of art. And <laughs> Coach Bo is all over that Jalen Stroman train, so hopefully we'll be seeing some movement there too. We also had this weekend Sons of Showcasery, which was just something we floated out there looking for some vintage stuff. And I got to say, we had over 75 submissions of some really, really cool Virginia Tech stuff. Um, I'll just go around the horn here, say our favorite thing. For me, it was the po- someone sent in a podium um, that they turned into a kegerator, which was you know A-plus creativity and 
uh, a big question mark on how you did that, um, getting the podium, that is. But, hey, shout out to you. That was fantastic. Pat, what was your favorite? Gotta say was the um, the hokey bird from, like, the <laughs> 1980s. <laughs> kind of walking down. Imagine walking down into that basement with the lights off and you just bump into this <laughs> creepy looking hokey bird mural or nightmares uh, yeah. nightmares for days <laughs> honestly my favorite sons of showcase resubmission was shout out to the guy who had the two Ryan Williams jerseys game worn on the mannequins that was first off how did you get those i know they used to auction those off but the fact that you have not one but two is just insane Speaking of dope threads, the Sons of Saturday just did a merch drop on Friday. We put a bunch of new stuff on the website. It's one of the best drops that we've put out in a long time. We have new items like a water-resistant windbreaker, a new champion backpack. It's so sick. I just ordered it the other day. We have a new dad hat with our circle logo tank tops for both the ladies and gentlemen and much more. So make sure you guys go over there and check it out. And uh, like Pat said, who knows, depending on, uh, depending on how fast you guys run in the 3.2 for 32, you might just uh, get some free merch sent your way. So, so be on the lookout for that. What was the, uh, what was the thing that you called the dad hat like over 30 or something? I said the son's over 30 hat because that's, with the exception of Pat Finn, that's who's wearing those hats. So, and then the the backpack is the Sons of Study backpack for all of your uh, scholarly needs. Throw the textbooks in there. Throw the textbooks and your protractor for the math empo. <laughs> all the protractors for those you're late me, night. You're giving me flashbacks. Yeah. All yeah, yeah bad flashback. But, but fifteen, fifteen twenty-five at the math tempo. But Jeez. uh, yeah, sons of Newman Library studying. If you're uh, if you're about those late nights in Newman, gotta give a uh, a quick plug to the Mike Young hats. They yes. say cold. Dr- they say we got cold drinks waiting on them. They're a dad hat, and they're also a bucket hat. We also have the we got cold drinks waiting T-shirts. I got to tell you guys, I have not purchased one of these hats yet, but uh, it's definitely on my wish list. It's definitely in my shopping cart, and uh, we have them in like a lot of different colors, too. I know there's like a, a green one, a, a blue one, a pink one, a black one, a khaki one. Jackson so, uh, jumped in on the boat and bought himself a bucket hat. He'll be sitting out in his uh, Crocs with socks, Navy, uh, Navy joggers, and whatever other ridiculous outfit he throws on. But he'll be wearing the Mike Young bucket. Best believe that. We're going to roll right into shout-outs here. But guess what? We have to shout-out our good friends at Sharky's. And I got to tell you, Sharky's put on the old headphones... They turned it up to 11 and they listened. They listened to the Songs of Saturday. They came on this podcast and they said, and we mentioned, hey, you know, Sharky's is actually delivering a beer. And the Songs of Saturday were like, well, you know what? We want some Long Islands. And I was like, that's a little far-fetched, girls. Probably not going to happen. Wrong. Sharky's is now delivering 
cocktails. If you want a Long Island, you want a Vegas bomb, whatever you want, they're delivering them to delivering them to you. Following by ABC guidelines, so you may have to mix in a California burger, you may have to mix in some wangs, you may have to mix in some nachos, but they're bringing the cocktails and they're bringing them to your home for you to enjoy. Shout out our amazing friends at Sharky's. And that brings us where good friends go. It's, it's where, where good, good friends, friends go. go. I was and drinking out of my deal cup. Wheel. The deal wheel. You check out their Instagram story every day. They got a new deal every single day, Bill. Like How the Sons of Saturday, Sharks, they're not slowing down. Sure, they're not. It's, a, it's a quarantine, but they're not slowing down. That brings us also, shout out to our friends at Main Street Pharmacy. Shout out to Dr. Jeremy Counts. Those guys have been serving Blacksburg and the surrounding community since 2016. Their pharmacists and friendly staff will treat you like family, like the Boom. sons, Boom. and are dedicated to providing their customer with services that are customized to meet your individual needs. Heyo. Heyo. Whether it's prescription med- medications or over-the-counter products, they are ready to answer any and all of your quarantine questions. Y'all, stay safe out there. Go get your hand sanitizer from our friends down at Main Street Pharmacy. They have toilet paper. They have paper towels. They got it all. Go down there and support local business. That's what this is all about. Sharkies and Main Street Pharmacy, local businesses. So tell them that the sun sent you. Moving right along into our shout-out section here. Shout-outs. Me and Pat were talking about this earlier today. Shout-out Jurakil. I don't know what he's doing. I don't know where he is. This guy came. This guy went. This guy made an impact. He's amazing. And now he's gone. We don't know where he is, but hey, Jerry Kill. Kill. Pour one out for Coach Kill. Isn't he on uh he's on Gary TCU, Patterson. right? He's on Gary Patterson's staff now at uh TCU. Sons of Horned Froggery, shout out to you, uh Jerry Kill. I hope you're doing well. Also want to shout out my guy. We talked about him a couple podcasts ago. John Robinson is healthy. He's doing well. He has recovered from coronavirus and he is out here. If you are looking for some extra content, he did a sit-down interview with the Tennessee quarterback. If you're into the whole volunteer thing, I'm not a huge fan, but I know there's a fan base out there for that kind of content. And he's doing a bunch of different sit-downs this week, the week of uh, Ball Talk. So Ball Talk with J-Rob. Go give him a listen. And uh, last shout-out before letters from the lunch pail here. Beth Barnes and company uh, gave us a big heads-up about a, uh, a virtual tailgate on Saturday. Um, I think it's at 12.30 p.m to honor the spring game because we would all be heading down to the spring game this weekend to engage in footballery it's time to snap on the zoomery and engage in the drinking beer and have some fun on a virtual tailgate with beth barnes and company dm beth or dm us for the uh for the link and uh we can get hokey football going and doing that cool thing Shout out to Beth Barnes. I think that's going to be an absolute blast. And guys, I don't know about you, but I started to get those snap memories on my phone today oh, from the spring game last year. I had flown home from the West Coast for that, and man, what a weekend! It's I wouldn't have been able to make it this this coming year, but it makes me feel a little bit better knowing that you guys won't either. So no offense. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> Sorry, is that messed up? Because no, you know, I mean, it's it, fair. It's fair. It's fair. It's like if it, it would, it would break. It. It would break my heart if I knew you guys were there and I couldn't be. So, 
We're gonna we're gonna be uh, hanging out with Beth Barnes on Zoom. We're so, so. glad your heart's not broken, Grayson. <laughs> That's all that matters in this world. If I'm happy, you <laughs> all <know> right. <laughs> Letters from the lunch pail, Mr. Grant Watson. Always a uh, submission from Grant here. Which true freshman in this 2020 class do you think could have the biggest impact for the team this year? I'm gonna go Showtime. Showtime, baby, Tyree Saunders. I know uh, we we lost a lot of talent at wide receiver this off season, so I think. He'll have a chance to step up, get some reps. It'll be very interesting to see how the the wide receiver room develops as the season goes on. You know, I got to say, Lakeem Rudolph, he's our only Virginia commit. You know, he's going to want to make a name for the 757. I'm pretty sure he's going to be playing safety at 6'4", 202 frame, brings the boom. And uh, I think given our current uh, safety depth as well, he can get some reps out there. Question from Wayne Kent says, so do we think Coach Fuente and staff will keep tweeting with fans or is this temporary and trying to get the word out for Drive for 25 slash Hokey Club? I'm pro Fuente and I think most of the fans appreciate his openness and it humanizes him. Good for recruiting too. Yeah, Wayne, I completely agree. Um, you know, I don't know if there's any type of alignment with Coach Fuente and the Hokey Club if they're like, hey, go out and tweet. I think... More so, I don't know what 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 the catalyst was, what the catalyst was, what the aha moment was, but I absolutely love it. I think it's timely. I think uh, this is a time where if there's any opportunity that fans will be paying attention to their coach on Twitter, it's now when they got nothing else to do, and people are digging in their pockets and making a donation to the Toki Club that they might not be doing if Coach Fuente had not be had not been tweeting, which is kind of funny. I, yeah, I think it's I think it's 100% genuine, um, you know, and that's what I've always loved about Coach Fuente when I kind of step out of the knowing him from, uh, you know, from a personal level and just kind of following him as a um, as a fan or an observer of the program is that uh, he is who he is and he's not going to fake who he is. And I think this is just him saying, you know, got nothing better to do on this Thursday night, Friday night. I would love to get on here and engage with um, some of the people that love Virginia Tech like I do and. Uh, it's been a ton of fun to watch and a ton of fun to participate in. I love it. I love it. I think it's a great look for just across the board recruiting for the fan base, people who might have thought Coach Fuente was eh, maybe a little bit more reserved, maybe a little bit more stoic. This really shows his personable side, and uh, I'm I'm all here for it. Stamp. Stamp all, all the way around. Um, but, guys, thank you so much. We're going to transition now into the interview with Harvey Creasy. Ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another interview for you. This week, we have my friend Harvey Creasy on the podcast with us today. And for those of you who don't know Harvey, Harvey Creasy is a 2018 graduate of the Virginia Polytechnic Institute and State University, where he studied multimedia journalism alongside yours truly. He was actively involved in the Virginia Tech community where he served on the Ring Design Committee and was a member of the Student Government Association. While a student, Harvey spent time interning at both the 2016 Summer Olympics and the 2018 Winter Olympic Games with NBC Universal, where he assisted in the production of the globally televised events. 
After graduation, Harvey moved to New York City, where he interned for The Late Show with Stephen Colbert, before accepting his current position with NBC as a production assistant on The Today Show. Harvey Creasy, how the heck are you? Welcome to the Sons of Saturday. Oh, wow. Thank you. It is truly, don't laugh when I say this, it is an honor to be here. It really is, virtually. I'm doing well. I'm doing all right. Thanks for asking. How are things in New York City right now with all the chaos of COVID-19? You staying safe up there, man? I know it's a hotbed right now for the uh, yeah. for the disease. Yeah, it is. Um, I am staying safe. I'm still I'm still working. Right now, I'm going in every other week. So, so last week, I was in every morning. But then this week, I'll be working from home, which, um, you know, presents its own sort of challenges. But, you know, I'm doing fine. I think the city as a whole is, it's just so different. I mean, it's, it's barely recognizable. But I think like with anything, New York's been through a lot historically and, and even just since I moved here. So, you know, it'll, it'll, we bounce back. Well, they say if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Uh, I think New Yorkers are some of the most resilient people on earth. But other than the brief resume breakdown that we just did, at the core, for the people who don't know, let's go a little deeper. Who is Harvey Creasy? Uh, Grayson, I hate that question. I don't know. You, you're. I feel like I. Sorry, I don't hate your question, but I think as as the the subject of it, I feel like you're someone who would know more about who I am than. Then in some ways I I do because you know I, I feel like I might see myself one way but that's not necessarily exactly you know who I am externally so you've known me for what six years now seven years it's been a long like time pretty crazy yeah um, and I've known of you for even longer than that you were friends with my cousin Taylor uh, my buddy Will so I don't know I mean I'll tell you who I'm not I'm not Miss America I know you had her on. <laughs> um, I think you're uh, you're probably scraping the bottom of the barrel here when you I, got to me, but um, I, I disagree wholeheartedly. But shout out Camille, well, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, you, I I really admire the work that you guys have done on this podcast. I think it's really cool that you uh, you're not even together. The three of you are completely, you know, social distancing before it was cool, and you're you're putting this thing together from different parts of the country and. I know that can't be easy. I mean, I, I've seen TV shows try and do it and have not been, have not had quite as easy of a time. So, so kudos to you guys. I think it's awesome. Well, we certainly appreciate it. And if I think you just indirectly answered my question without directly answering it, Harvey Creasy is humble for as long as I've known this man, he has quite the resume and he never talks about himself or, and so, and so that's why we wanted to have you on. I said, I'm going to crack the egg that is, Harvey Creasy, and actually for uh-huh. once in his adult life, get him to talk about himself because I think your story is so fascinating and just the things that you've done are so cool. So we're going we're gonna to dive right into that. So for the people who don't know, our friendship started actually over our mutual love for entertainment. And growing up, what were some of the things that drew you to this crazy industry in which we both work? Yeah, I remember that 2014. September probably uh, the Emmys. That's right. Yeah, that's right. We watched them together in Oshag, right or no? Uh, uh, Slusher, Slusher Tower. Yeah. Slusher Tower. Yeah, yeah, good times in that hell of a building. Um, you know, I've been asked this kind of thing before too, and I don't really know how, like, what 
piqued my interest in the industry, but I can tell you that it's been there for a long time. In elementary school, I anchored the morning news that nobody watched in fourth and fifth grade, maybe before that, but I remember uh, there was a tiny little studio and no supervision. So I don't, I, I, looking back on it, it doesn't feel real because there was this little studio off of the library that had a camera and I would go in and turn it on and it would broadcast to every homeroom in the morning. And I happened to know from the days that I wasn't doing it, that when it would come on, the teachers would just flip the TV off. So no one ever saw it. And that was fine. But I would go up, you know, I don't even know how many times I did it. But every time I would go, you know, I would bring like a little science experiment or a little gadget or something. And, I, and you know, read the weather or whatever. I don't, I honestly, if there are tapes of this, I, I think it'd be really fun to dig them up. But Mary Munford Elementary School, um, that would have been 05. 04, 05, 06, maybe some, somewhere in there. And then, yeah, so that's, that's a memory that I wish was clearer in my head. Uh, Cause I feel like that's one of the, the early starts, but also in seventh grade, we, everybody had to pick a research paper, uh, pick a career to do a research paper on. And I inter- interviewed um, one of the CBS evening anchors, Rob Cardwell. Uh, and so that was, that was another kind of really eye-opening discussion that compelled me, I guess, even more to, to stick with this in high school and take journalism there and work for the newspaper and then, you know, go and do it in college with you. So you start Mary Mumford, you're on the news, you, then you do a report in the seventh grade, and then fast forward to 2016 and you're interning at the Olympic Games. How did that internship even come about and what was the application process like? I remember having a conversation with my dad some months before the summer games, probably the summer prior. And he made some remark that the summer Olympics probably only happened once when you're in college. And kind of the the context of that was that we were talking, I think about just going or me going as a spectator, just, you know, as a trip, as a vacation. And so I just remember kind of having that, you know, just casual dinner conversation just off the cuff and then having this kind of idea uh, boiling to try and find some kind of job there. And I searched the Internet, which truly in this industry, as you know, is is an extremely useful tool um, and found a ton of stuff, found volunteer opportunities in Rio, um, many of which required fluency in Portuguese which I did not have and do not have to this day. And then I found one that I actually was sort of excited about, that they were looking for people to participate in the opening ceremonies as the dancers. And I got pretty far down uh, down on that until I found out you also had to be there for in person. You didn't need to know Portuguese, but you did need to be there for rehearsals for like the month or whatever prior. So, you know, I got excited about that. And then, and then that uh, fell through. For obvious reasons. I did not know um, about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, I, it's funny because some, sometimes <laughs> these little details, they slip my mind and then I think of them one day. And I'm like, wow, that almost happened. Um, that didn't almost happen. But, you know, it was it was a thought for a minute because I thought it would be a good story. You know, if I, you know, can you imagine somebody, somebody just you, out of 500 dancers on a stage, you just say like, oh, my God, I know that guy. Hey, that's so I don't know. Right. So I thought it would be funny. Um and you know, maybe LA 2028, maybe you'll see me out there. Maybe so. You got a free place to stay, buddy. <laughs> hey, thank you. So yeah, so 
then eventually I found the application on the NBC careers page and kind of just hail married it into the void. Didn't expect anything to come of it. Uh, and then I got a couple of interviews and they went well. And I was able to kind of take some background experience and spin it to make it sound like it was really relevant and, and go from there. And then, yeah, and then I was visiting my grandparents in Houston and they called me and they were like, you're going to Brazil. So I said, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Wow. That's insane. And now that kind of opened the door at NBC for you because I know that you also ended up working the 2017 Super Bowl with them. Mm -hmm. And you also worked the 2018 Winter Olympic Games Mm -hmm. with the NBC team. What exactly were your duties for each of those three larger than life events? Uh, So they were all so practically all of them were different, but all kind of within the umbrella of of NBC's many facets of of business. So the first uh, in Rio, I was um, kind of just production tangential. I wasn't fully immersed in the production, which I think was in some ways a really good, a good first step because as a sophomore in college, I didn't really have a lot of the technical skills yet. So, so that was actually mostly on the hospitality side. So it was dealing with a lot of the business ad sales, kind of those clients and making sure that they had the fantastic trip down there to, to do their business dealings that they needed to do. So I was able to make good connections and friends, honestly, with a lot of the, the team that handled that in Brazil. Um, I mean, as you can imagine, you go to a foreign country with a group of people for a month and, and you kind of have no choice. I mean, it's like summer camp. You have no choice but to either mesh with them or, or you know, get out. So we all became close just due to the circumstances. And they're great people, I mean, obviously. So I kind of took all of those relationships and tried to stretch them, you know, beyond Brazil and, and back into the U.S. and beyond 2016. And so then when, when the Super Bowl rolled around that winter, the following February, I reached out to the same people and I was like, hey, uh, the Super Bowl's in Houston where my grandparents are, like I mentioned. And I've been meaning to get down there to visit them. So, you know, if we can work something out that I can go do that and help you, you know, hand in hand, then I'm, I'm game. And they were game too. So, you know, that's something that I've, I've taken a lot through this industry is that sometimes the only people that are going to be looking out for you is yourself. True. So I think it's, it's never a bad idea to kind of come up with a plan on your own and just try and execute it. I don't think anyone was going to offer me a trip to the Super Bowl, but, you know, I saw an opportunity to go see some family that I don't get to see that often uh, on my own dime. I mean, I, I was just, I really just offered, I said, you know, if, if you can use me, then I'll find a way to be there. And, and they were open to that. So that was sort of a lot of the same kind of on the, the business ad sales side. And then I'm sorry for talking so much, but, um, don't apologize. This is all great stuff. I didn't know that. So, and yeah. And then, um, in 20, 2018, yes. Winter Olympics. So I guess it was that fall 2017, um, back at school, I, concocted this other plan to wrap up my degree a semester early and and try and figure out a way to, to free free up my schedule to do um, 
Pyeongchang. And then, and, you know, that just kind of happened to work out too, which was just another blessing. I don't know. I feel like inadvertently I planted the seeds for that kind of early on. And, and, and then it just kind of clicked one day that, that I would be able to do that. And so then I reached out to some other NBC people that I had connected with, you know, the first time around and, and managed to work that into getting an application and kind of going through those channels again. And were you set to travel to Tokyo this summer at all? So I was working on it. I really wanted to. Um, it's a very small crowd going from NBC due to uh, how expensive Tokyo is. But yeah, I was working on it. I, I had some irons in the fire, but nothing yet. So, you know, as bummed as I am about the decision to postpone it, I, I do feel like, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, I, I was disappointed at first, but I think it'll be safer for everybody. And, and, you know, maybe, who knows, maybe I'll end up there next year. Well, you have a little bit more time to make sure that all of the necessary irons are, in fact, in the fire to make that happen. Yeah. So I, I hope yeah. you're there. I hope you're there, man. Yeah. You want to come? Come with me. I, I would love to. I, uh, I always said that I wanted to go to Tokyo for the 2020 Olympics. But uh, like you said, Tokyo is expensive. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And flights there are expensive. Right. Everything yeah, exactly. Expensive. So we'll see. We'll see. Might have to wait until they come to L.A. in 2028. That way I don't have to spend as much money. So That's true. That is, some, that is something to look forward to for real. Absolutely. Absolutely. So per your Instagram page, you met a lot of very prominent people throughout each of these experiences. There's one a picture of you with Olympic gold medalist Sean White. Oh, and yeah. A, and another picture of you with not an athlete, but a one Ryan Seacrest. Which of these interactions was your favorite and what made it so special? Um, Both of them were great. So yeah, it it was, it was fun. Um, I think one of my, one of the highlights of working at those events was that I think, I think they're, they're just fun for everybody, everybody involved. And I think that uh, you know, athletes, especially when they finish their competition and, and, you know, broadcasters too. I think it's just kind of an opportunity for them to work and play, you know, all at once. And so everybody's in a good mood. And I think you really get to see people kind of at, at their, you know, purest selves. Ryan Seacrest, I remember, was doing a show on the beach in, in Rio, having the time of his life, um, doing like an Olympic late night thing. And, and that was super cool. Uh, he, you know, he would go up to all the fans that were there I think a lot of Brazilians didn't know who he was. So I think that takes a lot of pressure off. But, you know, the handful of Americans that show up know him, obviously. And, and he was so happy to, to see them and to, to meet everybody. And then, like I said, with the athletes, especially when they come off of, you know, in Sean's case, the, the half pipe or the slopes, whatever it is, the swimming pool, doesn't matter. I think as soon as they're done, the rest of their experience at the games is just purely fun. They're staying in these awesome places with all of these world-class athletes. I mean, it's the pinnacle of, of sport and everybody's there in generally a very cool foreign country. So they're typically very pleasant to be around. And, uh, and a lot of them are so young too. You know, a lot of them aren't much older than, than us, which um, is great until you realize how much they've accomplished. <laughs> 
and you stack it up next to to what we've done to what we've done or and even to what we could possibly do exactly uh, yeah it was it was really cool for me to to be able to see them compete and kind of be in awe of their athletic ability and then to also see the other side of them that was usually kind of just relaxed like you know in in Simone's case i think in rio she was a high schooler i don't know i think it's i think it's something that that really humanizes everybody and and it was really cool to to witness that so after graduation from Virginia Tech, you end up moving to New York City, the Big Apple. Shout out to Pat and Billy Ray. They're kind of from up that way, and they're Jersey boys, but you know, they both think they're New Yorkers. <laughs> so how difficult of an adjustment was that to make coming from a small town like Blacksburg, Virginia? Well, um, to make matters even, even uh, more extreme, I actually moved here from Dubois, Wyoming population like 15 tiny tiny town out there i i went there after graduation to work on a dude ranch just for the summer which was hands down one of the best experiences of my life would not trade it for anything wouldn't trade it for for really anything it was fantastic yeah and so i mean adjusting to that life i think was maybe made a little bit easier compared you know going from blacksburg because blacksburg's so small and and that was a little bit smaller, but then coming from there to here, I think there was definitely a culture shock. You know, even, even though I had been here, I, I interned up here, and you came and visited me, and you know, we we spent time up here. So, you know, New York was not surprising in any way, but definitely it was it was an adjustment to get used to public transportation and um, you know not seeing cattle you know, et cetera, et cetera. So um, that all hit me very quickly. But then once I got here, you know, it was, it was sort of like I never left. So you briefly interned for the late show with Stephen Colbert, who replaced the very legendary David Letterman. What was that experience like? And how did that compare to your time working as an NBC intern? That show, I love that show so much. I, I loved everybody who worked there. I thought it was, um, I thought it was so well run and well managed. Um, it was fun, dude. The late night vibe is a lot different than news, obviously, but it deals with a lot of news, which is kind of that that sweet middle ground that I had been looking for, you know, because it was it it was hard news, you know, it was the politics of the day, and it was, uh, you know, what have you with with Washington DC and, and, you know, geopolitics and everything. So it, I didn't lose that. I'm not a huge fan of kind of the, the fluff, the segments where, you know, it's about makeup and, and hair and, you know, and none of that really does it for me, you know, cooking segments that that's not really my thing. I, I really like to stick with hard news. I guess on the one hand, you could say that comedy kind of isn't that, but so much of, you know, in Stephen Colbert in particular, really focuses on the political news of the day. It was there for the midterm elections in 2018 and a number of other big news stories, Supreme Court nominees, uh, so many firings. I mean, it was, it, was, it was honestly very interesting to witness that era from that point of view. And the staff there is tremendous, unbelievable. I really miss them. It was just interesting. You know, it was interesting to go from 
the Olympics where I was doing something different every single day to this where, you know, there, there were different shifts and there were rotations and stuff, but, but largely it was, it did feel a little repetitive. And I think that also just comes from being in a city, you know, that, that I've spent a decent amount of time in already. So that was an adjustment for me. And I still feel that a little bit every now and again with, with my current job. So you've been working at the Today Show for, correct me if I'm wrong, over a year now. Yeah. You've had the chance to rub elbows with all kinds of interesting people, but there's one that, especially here at the Sons of Saturday, we're focused on in particular, and that is fellow Hokey Hodakabe. What is being around her like on a daily basis, and what has she taught you? She's, she's just wonderful. She really is. She's exactly who she appears to be on TV. And and honestly, it's striking to watch, um, to watch her interact with, with fans out on the plaza, to watch her interact with guests. It's, it's extremely admirable because she's, she really is beloved by so many people. And that's not, I feel like that's not lost on her. And she, she does such a good job of making people feel welcome and making people feel loved and appreciated myself included i mean she's she's like that to the staff she's like that to people she's never seen before she's it's kind of a quality that i think is rare you know rare it doesn't even do it justice i mean it's something i've seen so seldom in life that she really does stand out and it's incredible i mean when i met her in brazil she acted like we had known each other for 15 years. I mean, she was like, what are you doing here? This is insane. And I was like, that, you, we, you have no reason to say that. We've never met, you know, but I think, you know, I told her I was a hokey. And from that point on, I mean, she's, just, she's been nothing but, but kind and, and sweet. And especially now, you know, during this crazy time, there aren't a lot of people going into the studio. So she's always been very sweet to ask about how I'm feeling and how my family is and how everybody's doing and if my parents are worried about me and you know this and that so yeah she's she's exactly as as genuine as she appears to be on tv and as far as what she's taught me it's really just that i think to be a good journalist so much of it is preparation and and intelligence and not being afraid to ask the tough questions and all of that but also just you know the pathos of it all is just as important and being able to relate to somebody and to feel sympathetic or empathetic, depending on, on what it is. And I don't think anyone does that better than she does. You know, we do a four hour show every day. So there are so many people, stage managers, hair and makeup, and then all of a sudden it's just all gone. But the one constant has been since all of this, this crazy COVID stuff started the one constant has been that Hoda has kept coming in and she has remained just as kind as ever, kind of despite the, the stress of it also. Well, I think that embodies not only Hoda, but the hokey way of doing things, just being very inclusive and kind and warm and welcoming. So to hear that uh, personified uh, from your experience is is so great because that's you know, wh- wh- I feel like what you see with her is absolutely what you get. She doesn't seem inauthentic at all, and so every every time I see her pop up on one of your your Instagram stories, I'm like, dang man, 
that's probably so cool to be able to, to interact with her on a daily basis. So I guess that leads us into my next question with how challenging has it been, at least while you have been there, to produce one of the most watched daily television shows during this outbreak? Uh, for, for me personally, it has been, I think, more just more mentally stressful than anything else because we have our governor here in New York and our mayor telling us that we frankly should not be going outside to flatten the curve and, and everything. So for better or for worse, I am considered, considered an essential worker. And the show obviously is, is as important now as ever, maybe more so. I think the news in general is very important as long as it's factually correct. It's been really different there are some days that are very easy and some days that are that are quite the opposite. I think the biggest challenge though has just been that it's there's so few people that are still going in. So many people have transitioned to working from home and part of the side effects of that is that a lot of new responsibilities have fallen on the one production assistant that's going in. And I think it's 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 really good experience and it's honestly, it's historic to, to be going through this, you know, as, as honestly, as the whole, as the whole world continues to figure it out, it's, it's not something that any of us will soon forget. Hopefully it is something that all of us will soon be able to uh, remember as it, as it's in the past. But, you know, until then I, it's, I think it's, it's a little bit lonely. It's a little bit hard. I know today's Easter in a perfect world, I would have been home with my family, I'm sure you would have too. So, you know, we normally would be able to spend it with people that we love and we can't. I think that's when it, that's when it's kind of challenging. Very true. And we're, you know, all taking it one day at a time. It's tough, but we're going to get through this thing. We're going to beat this thing. And so, yeah, I know we could do this later, but I, I do want to hear how you're doing in Los Angeles with all of this. I know you're, you're farther than, uh, than you'd like to be from home. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm hanging in there. I had given thought to going home and I decided for the time being, it would be best for me to stay here. I definitely want to avoid getting on an airplane. Uh, if I can, if I can help that, I also don't want to get on an airplane and then go home and potentially spread it even further because my dear sweet mother would kill me even if I was on a ventilator. So (laughs) that's just the gospel truth. It is Easter Mm -hmm. after all. So, so we got to know her. She would. That's right. We got to tell the truth, but I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing well, Harv. I'm, I'm hanging in and the, the show goes on. The show goes on. It's it's Sons of Saturday, man. So are your roommates there? My roommates are here. My roommates are both here. That's good. That's good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) one of them's, one of them's a nurse. So we applaud him and he's, wow. Yeah. He's doing, uh, he's doing the Lord's work, being in the hospital and, and taking care of patients who are sick wow. and need it now more than ever. So, yeah. Well, we're thinking of him. It, we do a thing here. I don't know if LA has adopted this, but we at 7 o'clock, we, um, we get out on our balconies and we cheer for right. the healthcare workers at 7 o'clock every day. And I got to tell you, it is, it is a, it's a really magical kind of feeling, you know? Because you yeah. see, you're seeing you're seeing neighbors that you've never seen before. You're seeing people on the street you've never seen before, and everybody just pauses and just does this together. And people are banging on their pots and pans, and 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 you know it's it is a sight to behold. So 
tell your roommate that, that that's for him too. Hundred percent. You know I will. That leads me into my last question before the lightning round. You were actually recently featured on a segment where a certain Dolly Parton surprised her number one fan at the Today Show. That number one fan was you, my friend. And honestly, be honest with me. Did you have any idea that this was going to happen the way that it went down? I did not. So I had been looking forward to that day for a while, just because I feel like something great is to be able to tell people what they mean to you. And so she is someone whose music I've listened to for as long as I can remember. Going to work, I remember being excited because I was hoping to just catch her for for a second. It was a very interesting morning. It was not an easy day. I mean, the rest of that show, I kind of blocked it all out. But the rest of that show was not our absolute easiest show ever. There were a lot of technical issues. I, I can't even remember the specifics now, but I do remember that <laughs> this lady that works in our hair department had all these wigs. That I did know about. We were supposed to all in the control room put on these blonde wigs so that they, during her interview, they would show Dolly and they would say, look, there's everybody wearing those wigs. And she would just kind of react to that, whatever. And so that's where I was. And I remember th- there were so many little tiny issues and we were like way over time and the tapes weren't, you know, where they needed to be and blah, 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 blah. There were all these technical issues. Meanwhile, these women were trying to put these wigs on all the people in the control room who were kind of like screaming at each other to, to you know, fix the show. So it was a very chaotic experience. And... I don't even remember because she did her interview, which was like five or six minutes. She did that before the, when she came down and and talked to me. And I don't remember a thing from her interview because all I remember is the control room chaos that was going on with everybody in these absurd wigs. So anyway, it was, it was just a very bizarre morning. And then it only got weirder when she came down in there and, and talk to me, which, yeah, my whole job is to know exactly what's in the show and to, to work off of the rundown, which we as production assistants make. I mean, we build it from pretty much from scratch every day. So, uh, so yeah, that was something that was kept a secret from me until it happened. And, and yeah, the rest is history. The rest is indeed history, as they say. Harvey, that's incredible. Before I let you go here, we're going to do the Sons of Saturday lightning round, where I'm basically just going to list off a bunch of things, and you're going to respond to them. It's real simple. It's lightning McQueen fast. There you go. Mm-hmm. So, favorite... Ka-chow, baby. Ka-chow, that's what they say. Favorite restaurant in Blacksburg? Cafe de Bangkok. Loved it. Okay. Shout out John. Do you even know what it do? Do you even know what it is? Cafe de Bangkok, of course. Nobody, nobody went there, but I, I loved it. Right across the street from the Delta Sig House, man. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, worst service in town, but best food. Oh my gosh, I missed it. They did have great food there. They also had really good sake bombs. Fun. Yeah, they did. I'll tell you, I never went there for like fewer than twenty than two hours. I mean, that was an ordeal if you wanted to go. That was a whole situation. I mean, you had to block off. An, an evening if you wanted to be there <laughs> you made a night out of cafe de bangkok that's so <laughs> funny 
it's true but man that food was good and you couldn't really get a lot of ethnic food in in blacksburg so i loved it very true very true it was basically cafe de bangkok and then there was sakura which everybody raved about right but that, sakura right. something about sakura felt very americanized to me didn't uh-huh. seem as totally. authentic maybe i'm wrong i don't know but cafe yeah, de bangkok you know. like the quaint little family who owned cafe de bangkok they those people were great so so sweet but so slow <laughs> anyway uh, uh favorite restaurant in new york city um i like this place called caracas uh, a venezuelan place venezuelan place okay yeah favorite Delicious. pizza joint in new york city wow there's a, there's a lot of good um, ones what's your favorite there are a lot of good ones uh i've been really hip to this one around the corner it's called um rosa's rosa's, rosa's pizza Okay. Yeah. Roses. It's good. I mean, it's all good. I mean, there's, there's, there's no wrong answer here. I think fair, unless you're Michael Scott and we're talking about Sparrow, maybe. I mean, right. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you, I've never been to Sparrow, but Papa John's even here is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> I love to hear that. Shout out Papa John's and NYC. <laughs> favorite dining hall at Virginia Tech. Uh, favorite dining hall. Um, Got to be West End. Because I worked there from, I want to say, September 2014 until maybe November of 2014. So those are those are my homies. Shout out West End. Shout out the London Broil. Shout out Billy yes, Ray. B- Billy Ray loves the London Broil. He always talks about that on the podcast. And I mean, how could you? Oh, it was fantastic, especially like right around Thanksgiving time. Couldn't beat it. Oh, man. Not, not yep. with a stick. Yep. Okay, favorite thing about your job at the Today Show? Uh, I I love the staff there so much. I mean, every, there are so many incredible characters that that I work with. Uh, one of these days, I think it would be great to to have a show about it, like a sitcom, because I mean the the people are so interesting, and and what they do, what we do every day, the product at the end of it is is. I don't know. It's very clean cut compared to the the picture that that we see there in the mornings. Well, I don't know about a sitcom, but I do work in reality television, so maybe we can make something happen on that front. Catch you guys in, the, in for some casting Skype. See where the drama's got, at out there. You've you've got my number. Yeah, got your number. Uh, <laughs> okay, one last lightning round question. Favorite memory from one of your multimedia journalism classes? Oof. Uh, I, dude, I loved all of those classes, especially towards the end. They were so fun. We had such a good time. Favorite memory. Um, definitely hard to choose, but I loved any, any instance of you, uh, Andy, (laughs) Ryan Waltz, Brooke Leonard, shout out Brooke uh, Leonard, shout out Brooke Leonard. Um, yeah, any any time that I was goofing with you guys was a good time. So media Seriously. production studio junior year. Jack class. Jared that class Woolley. Was so much fun. I remember I, I don't think I've ever laughed as hard as as I would with uh with you and Andy and Brooke and Ryan and the gang. I think so we had fun. I'll tell you though, I know this is not part of your your uh lightning round, but if you wanted to know my least favorite memory do you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. Okay. <laughs> this was, do you know? Do you know what I'm about to say? I don't know what you're about to say. I'm very curious. If you're curious, you should be scared, really, because this, this memory is when I 
had to go somewhere. I think I was leaving town or something. And I had this camera. Oh, uh, no. Thousand dollars. <laughs> I know this. This was, a, this was a, a, like a thousand dollar camera, right? Yep. That, I, that I had checked out from the room. Paul yep. Spaulding, shout out Paul Spaulding, yep. by the way. And I needed to return it. Paul was not there. That's right. So I said, I said to my friend of four years, I said to one of my first friends at Virginia Tech, I said, would I, if I give this to you, when you leave, will you just give it back to Paul? And that was my friend. That was Grayson Wimbush, host of Sons of Saturday, YouTube star. I said, please, <laughs> if you don't mind, will you just give this back to Paul? And you said, do you know what you, you remember what you said? You said, absolutely. I actually don't recall, but anyway. You said, you said, you said not a problem, Harv. I, I'll take care of it. And I said, <laughs> Did Thanks, I say man, that? That's, I said, that's what true friends do. That, that's, you, that's really it. That's, that sums it up. Right. And so then, you know, a couple of days go by and uh, Paul stops me in the hallway and he goes, you have an overdue camera. And I said, Paul, that's impossible because I know for a fact that my friend Grayson returned it to you the other day. And he said, no, no, I haven't seen Grayson in a, in a, in a minute. I don't know where he's been. And yeah. uh, so then after, after maybe a, a, a three or four or five hour goose chase for this camera, it did turn up and you were off the hook. But, but yeah, that was probably my least favorite memory. I know you didn't ask, but <laughs> there, you, there you go. There you go. Don't edit that out, by the way. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, <laughs> Harvey Creasy, everybody. Thank you so much for coming on, Harv. This was absolutely so much fun. It's been great catching up, and, and I'm glad that we were able to catch up on the podcast. Yeah, man. Um, and so I'll, I'll give you this opportunity right here. Do you have any shout-outs that you want to give? Uh, we, we always like to give our guests a chance to shout-out anyone they would like to. That's um, awfully kind. Um, was not prepared. I would like to shout out um, my siblings uh, because I think they're both going through sort of opposite challenges right now with this coronavirus thing. My brother had to come home early from study abroad in Northern Italy. And I know that's not, that has not been easy on him. And my sister um, on the other side of it is um, in Sweden currently getting her masters and so she's still there powering through and i um i just wish them all the best i wish we could all be together once again shout out to harvey creasy thank you so much man sons and daughters we will see you in the next episode peace